everybody, and welcome to a new episode of FanRag Sports Premier League Podcast with me, Sebastian Noren. I'm joined by Polly Questel. Noah Elliott, he's out sick. He's listed day-to-day with a uh, illness. Probably ate some bad street food in Thailand. Okay. Uh, All right. Yes. Yeah, no, that's the cover-up reason. That's the cover-up reason? I mean, he's in Thailand. Like, let's, yeah. let's just use our imagination here. He could just be enjoying his vacation and didn't want to talk to us today, too. That could be legit reason. Or, Who knows? Or he did something and he's ashamed. I don't know. Like, this is kind of like... This is kind of like that guy on Canada in the World Championships. He got hurt wrestling in his hotel room. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Was... You did you did something sketchy in, in where the World Championships? Paris? Paris and uh, Cologne. Yeah, you did something sketchy out there. Sure. Now, yeah. granted, Thailand has more sketchy stuff. and yeah, we'll By see. all means, Elliot, just don't enjoy your vacation too much. <laughs> yeah, we hope he feels better and that he will be – be with us soon again i know he's traveling uh to kuala lumpur so i don't know how internet is there but we'll we'll see if he can join us here in the final couple of episodes before the season wraps up here uh we're gonna talk start the show by talking champions league and europa league and then we'll get into what is match day 37 in the premier league as we got a pretty interesting top four race and a uh Potential clincher here tomorrow, Friday, as Chelsea go up against West Brom on the road. But first and foremost, Champions League, and we'll be treated to a uh, a final of Juventus against Real Madrid. Uh, Madrid, they uh, beat Atletico 4-2 on aggregate. The return leg, Atletico did win 2-1, but 4-2 on aggregate to Real. Uh, what did you make of the second Madrid Derby here in the week? Um, kudos to Atletico. They came out and, and I think they surprised uh, Real Madrid a bit with the way that they came out and scored those two quick goals. And mm-hmm. I, think, I think Real Madrid thought just the way that we did, that everybody did. If we go out there and we play our game, then you know, they don't stand a chance. Mm-hmm. Like, we just have to go out there and do what we do. We don't have to play out of our minds well. We just have to go out there and do what we do, and they and they won't advance. And then it was, boom, okay, quickly, it's 2-0, and all right, we better wake up because now there's 75 minutes left, and one goal changes everything, and they, they did it up. And you know what? Like, let Atletico go out with the win. It's the last Madrid Derby at the uh, Vicente Calderon Stadium. And... Real Madrid still goes through. It's like almost like a win for everybody except for Atletico. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, with, also, that, with that opening, though, you were like, oh, it's on at least until Isco scored that goal in the 42nd minute. Right. Just prime opportunity. I mean, Kareem Benzema, like, embarrassed whoever was defending him there. But after that, it was, you know, prime opportunity. And Isco jumps on and, and smashes the rebound in. What I have to say is, I did not even know that this was that the Vicente Calderon Stadium is going away, which is such a shame because it's one of the best named stadiums in the world. Uh, even though it's named after someone, like if even if like you like just the fact just the the word Calderon, like it kind of makes it like a cool stadium. Even even though it's just it just happens to be somebody's last name. That's my that's my two cents on that. Okay. Cool stadium name. Well, what they're doing starting next year, they're moving to 
Estadio La Piñeta, which was officially known as Estadio de la Comunidad de Madrid, and is now reopening as Wanda Metropolitano for sponsorship reasons. And that's a stupid arena name. I'm sorry. What? It's not the Vicente Calderon. It is not. Uh, capacity will be 76,703. You know what it is? Any, any stadium where you could throw the word the in front of it is like an, an, an intimidating name. Like the Bernabeu, the Vicente Calderon, the Azteca. The Old Trafford. You don't say that. You don't say the Anfield. You know, England doesn't really have... The Emirates, but that's not one. Yeah, the Emirates, the Etihad. Yeah, all right, so not in England. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. So, yeah, they're moving on to new and potentially better things. Um, I don't know. The Meadowlands. Yeah, the Hawthorns. (laughs) Um, All right, so they're the exception that proves the rule. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, at least, I mean, the, the new stadium will take in roughly 13,000 more people. So, and I don't think they'll have any problem filling those seats. See, that's my, that's always my question is like, especially in cities. That that's not a big already, jump though. It's not a big jump, but like, are, like, are there a bunch of athletic fans that are locked out every week? Maybe. You know, it's like it's like Tottenham are jumping up to from however many thousand they have to like sixty one thousand with their new stadium. And it's like, are there sixty one thousand people that are like banging on the doors of White Hart Lane? Like, you know, they're part of North London, which is like a neighborhood in London, and it's split between two teams. So how many, you know, like how many fans are are truly banging on the door to try to get in every week? They're banking on those South Korean um, tourists. Yeah, I guess so. Mm-hmm. No need to no need to single out where the tourists are coming from. Well, I mean, they want to see uh, Sultan. <laughs> they want to see Sultan play. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, just imagine how many South Koreans fans were at Old Trafford when Yusung Park played. It's true. Well, you know, Sun Sun's your only draw when Delielli's playing for Real Madrid and Eric Dyer's playing for uh, Manchester United and Hugo Lloris is playing for PSG and Kyle Walker's playing for Manchester City. And the Hurricane for Barcelona. No, that's Is not that right. where he would go? I have no idea where he would go. I don't know go. where Harry Kane will go. No, I have no idea. Uh, in the other game, though, like, you One day, yes. someone's going to be like, hey, Harry. <laughs> yeah. There's one day someone's going to tell Harry, like, you know, you're, you're only making 100,000 pounds a week. And, like, you know, you should be making 250,000, 300,000. And eventually your head's going to get turned. Mm-hmm. In the other game, Juventus took a 2-1 to win at home over Monaco to move on 4-1 on aggregate. Uh, Mario Mandzukic and Dani Alves with the goal for Juventus. And Kylian Mbappe got the consolation goal for Monaco. And uh, Mbappe is one player that we should definitely follow here this summer as he'll be a hot commodity for someone. Yes. So. Oh, yes. Well, it'll be interesting. I mean, I, I feel like this Monaco team has the... Or they're running the risk of being totally just pillaged. Because there's so many players that have played so well in Champions League and a lot of eyeballs on these players that are still young like uh, uh, Bernardo Silva, Bakayoko um, Mbappe 
just to name a few. So we'll see if they can put up a, a nice team even next season. And we should uh, we should say that they are still in the lead in Liga. Three points out of is PS that a chase? PSG are three points behind, but Monaco has one game in hand. Oh, I thought they ran away with it. Mm -mm. Nope. No, it's Monaco. Monaco on the eighty-six points, PSG on eighty-three, and then uh, Nice with um, Balotelli uh, third with seventy-seven points. But let's get to the Europa League. And uh, if you've ever listened to this show before, you know that um, Pauly and I, we like this team called Manchester United. I don't know what gave that away. Yeah, I have no idea. I, uh, I, I think I do a good job of, you know, hiding. What <laughs> uh, that was the funniest thing you've ever said. 1-1 uh, in the return leg. So I United bet you you have no idea how I feel about the manager. Nope, not a clue, not a clue. 1-1 in the return leg here, so United moves on 2-1 on aggregate. This was an ugly, ugly, ugly game, and Celta Vigo came so close of just snatching this at the death, really. Jongudetti with a horrible miss, or a wonderful miss, depending on who you root for, in, the, like, the last second. So, yeah, I... Uh... I watched the first 72 minutes of this game, okay. which looked, which looked like, uh, you know, they were having United were just going and having a kickabout with their mates. Yep. It looked like they said, well, we don't seem to have any problems in the, in the Europa league. Um, it, at winning games in the Europa league at home, we already beat this team away. So we'll probably just win this game at home. Uh, and then I had a meeting at work and I went into my meeting and, you know, my boss is, said he said to me he said oh like you know how's the match going and i said we're up one nil we should we should be fine he said okay good and uh i felt during this meeting i felt my phone vibrating in my pocket a lot oh a little and, bit too much <laughs> a lot and i was like what could this be and i get out and the first thing i see is a text from one of my friends going going oh the europa league just got drunk and I'm like, oh, no, what happened? <laughs> they start talking about Ajax, and I'm just like, what's going on? And I just fire, and, and I get back to my computer, and my friend G chats me going, whoa, like, holy hell. And I'm like, okay, like, are we still going to Stockholm? <laughs> and they were just like, by the skin of your teeth. Yeah. So I, I caught up, I watched that end of that match, and oh, yeah, by the skin of our teeth. Yeah, it, it was not a pretty game here. Uh, United did take the lead in 17th minute. Marwan Fellini with the header on a very good cross by Marcus Rashford. Uh, I mean, it was almost... If Fellini would have missed that, that would have been a bigger accomplishment than actually hitting the goal from there. Because he was basically inside the goal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And... But it's just like how much talent can you put on the damn field and not produce goals? I don't get it. And like, and this has always been my issue that bothered me is in the Sir Alex Ferguson era. Like, we used the pitch at Old Trafford. It's a it's a unique pitch. It's massive. We used it to our advantage. We ran teams ragged to the point that teams knew when they came in they didn't have a chance to win because United would kill them. We used the width. We used our speed. Yeah, but they're all the how same is, size now. 
Uh, yeah, for the most part, but I, I like Old Trafford's still massive. It, it 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 doesn't have that aura because for some reason, like our last two managers just haven't, uh, like haven't used the pitch the way they can. Yeah, they suck. I the mean, first of all, they're all the same size. They're all the same size, but like they're not because there's a lot of old stadiums. So every new stadium has the same size pitch. Most stadiums predate this mantra. Yeah, it got interesting when, um, yeah, let's butcher this name. Facundo Sebastian Roncaglia. I have no idea if that's correct. Argentinian um, defender made it 1-1 in the 85th minute. And after that, it was just chaos. Three minutes later, Eric Bailly and Roncaglia get sent off. Right, that was a that was an issue when so, when I looked and I was like, oh, there's a red card for Bay, and we're going to be without him for the final against. And as much as I keep saying, as we we both kept saying, you know, there's no team in this tournament left that like they should that they should beat us. Like, let's not forget that we played Ajax literally one season ago, and they killed us. Yeah, they got goals in them, that's for sure. And we'll get to that Ajax match in just a second. But I mean. Is there any way they can appeal this? Because I don't feel like it was Bayi that should have been sent off. It should have been Valencia. Oh, of course. <laughs> you know, can, can uh, we do that trade? Can, can we do that trade? Uh, can we get somebody to write in? Actually, it was Fellaini. Like, he wasn't on yeah. the pitch. Who cares? It was Fellaini. Yeah. No, but I, I mean, mean, at the... Put, look... Just put it this way, and I tweeted it before. I tweeted it. I said, Marwan Fellaini is going to start a European final, and... That's something that no one ever thought. That's a sentence no one ever thought they would ever read. Yeah. Yeah, look out, Stockholm. He's coming for you. Maybe he can get held up by, like, immigration or something. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see the whole, the whole spectacle that is the Europa League final and how Stockholm handles all the, the hula-baloo around the game. Because I know... Friends Arena, it's a fairly new stadium, but getting out there is, from what I've heard, is pretty much a pain in the butt. So yeah, no one at Stockholm will be they'll be busy throwing a uh, a World Championship gold medal ceremony for Henrik Lundqvist. Ooh, yeah, let's hope so. Let's hope so. Uh, You're oh. American now, Seb. Hey, I can root American for both now. teams. Remember, You're American now. Remember, I get Team USA just added Kevin Hayes and Brady Shea. You're American. I'll just do half jersey. With the three crowns and half jersey with the red, white, and blue. Oh, and don't you all dare good. do that. <laughs> don't you dare do that. That yeah. is the worst part about America. <laughs> yeah. So United will take on Ajax at Friends Arena in Stockholm. Uh, or technically it's Solna, but it's like, it is Stockholm. Basically, it's greater Stockholm area. Um, Ajax went through 5-4 four, four on aggregate after losing the second leg against Lyon with 3-1. to one. Um, Kasper Dolberg scored again for Ajax. Uh, very impressive young Danish player. That's pretty much the only time you'll hear me speak well of Danish players. Um, <laughs> let's just hope for their sake that he doesn't turn out to be a new uh, Bentner. Because that would be bad. Um, and I mean, they have goals in them. This is, a, this is a dangerous team. I just don't know if the... The occasion might be, you know, been a little bit to United's advantage because they still have more 
experience from bigger games than IX do. And United are going to have a massive, massive advantage in the stands. Yeah, they'll have a following. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, oh, yeah. But, well, how many, like, Swedish fans that, like, are just like, oh, we're Manchester United fans this year because of Zlatan are still Manchester United fans? Well, the thing is that they're still, even before Zlatan got there, uh, the big, the biggest teams in Sweden are Manchester United, Liverpool, and Arsenal. So they have a very, right. they have a strong following, and you'll have Norwegians traveling over because they're big United fans since the days of uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, Ronny Jonsson, etc., etc. Um, so whatever you just, I know obviously it wasn't English, but whatever yes. you said, whatever you just said wasn't even words. <laughs> Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, Ronny Jonsson. Um, Henning Barry. Um, so I mean, there, there, there's some legacy there with Scandinavian fans and Manchester United. So they'll they'll have a good following, and then of course there'll be fans traveling from Manchester too. Um, so they'll definitely have the advantage in the stands. Yeah, I just obviously I, I we should be the favorite. I yeah, but being without Bayi really hurts this team though. It does. Luckily, Smalling and Jones played. They played recently. <laughs> yeah. They played last week. I don't think that either of them played well. Uh, not, not. Uh, I misspoke. I don't think either of them played poorly. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one goal where, uh, you know, that header. But I don't think they played poorly. I think Mourinho just hates them for yeah. no reason whatsoever. But you know what, Jose? Now you have to use them. Yeah, basically. And let's be honest, like. The smalling blind pairing wasn't bad. Yeah. Blind did not have a good game, though. He could easily have been sent off, too. No. But, like, la- like last season, this, this, like, as, as much, you know, Daily Blind, whenever he plays center back or left back or anywhere on the field, is good for one, like, just brain-dead play where it's, mm-hmm. like, he's completely switched off and it's, like, what's he doing? And, obviously, when, you, when you're playing at center back, like, that play will usually happen in front of your own goal. So, he's good for one of them. But, you know... Even with all that, the smalling blend partnership last year wasn't the reason that we sucked. True. That is true. That is true. So um, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. The final is on May twenty fourth. Yeah, three days after the regular after the season ends. It's a Wednesday, and kickoff is two forty five p.m. Eastern time. So I'll be prepared to call in sick to work, or take the day off. I'm prepared. Trust me. Yeah. I need to see if there's an actual Manchester United bar or something here in Cincinnati. I can go watch this. Because I don't want to watch, you know, because I, I do watch most of the games just at home. But this is the type of game where I kind of want to watch it with other people. Yeah. Also, you don't have cable, so you watch everything like five minutes after it happened. Oh, yeah. The stream. Yeah. That is true. That is true. Mm. Let's go on to the Premier League then. Match week 37. Chelsea has the chance to uh, clinch a title on Friday when they go to the Hawthorns to take on West Brom, which Albion. Paulie, will they get things done here against West Brom? Yes. Yes. You're 100% confident? Uh, I've been 100% confident of this since Christmas. That they're going to take the title, yes, but you're 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 saying that they're going to clinch here away to West Brom instead of saving it 
for Monday's game at home against Watford. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't think, obviously, like, people, you know, the clinching at home, it's awesome to do it in front of your own fans. I don't think clinching away from home is that terrible. Like, you know, they say it in, in hockey, you want to win the cup in front of your own fans. You know, it's not like anybody leaves the building. When, when you win the cup, all the fans, like when you in the finals, if you win the finals away from home, you know, the fans appreciate that the cup just came out and they will stay and watch as you skate around with that cup in their building. They stay and watch that. And it's the same thing. And, and in soccer, it's even different because you have that away support. Mm-hmm. So you have the ability to go over to your friends and celebrate with your fans. And then you come home and you get the guard of honor. It's even better when you come home and you're already champions. Mm-hmm. I mean, winning it at home is special, though. You can get the nice pitch invasion going, and you don't pitch invade for a championship. You should. You no, they pitch invade. You pitch invade when you stay up. Pitch invasion. <laughs> pitch invasion is like a lower league thing. So it's like, it's like the it only goes as high as like. 18th place in the league. After that, pitch invasion stops becoming a thing. Ah, that's too bad. It's too bad. I need a good old pitch invasion. They're fun. First oh. of all, like Stanford Bridge is like a well manicured. They like you know that's a that's a field where they're you know they're trying to take care of every blade of grass every day. They're not letting a bunch of people stamp on that field. Yeah, that's true. Mm. So uh, West Brom looking at their team and. For- ahead of this game. I mean, they're sort of in no man's land. They have nothing really to play for because eighth won't do them any good and they're too far away to catch up to Everton. Yeah, well... And I their, mean, they're just... their form is horrible too. They got four losses and a draw in the last right. five. Their form's, ter- their form's terrible and as, as dirty as and as West Bromley as they'll play, I think Chelsea... First of all, this is a, a very motivated Chelsea team. Oh, yeah. Because this is... This isn't just, this isn't, you know, like, when you're running, you know, this isn't just seeing the last 100 meters and saying, okay, like, let me just run these last 100 meters and and finish. This is, oh, it's the last 100 meters. I'm going to kick it into gear and, you know, increase my time by two seconds, by two, three seconds, because it it's the last kick, you know. They, they're not just going to play this out because the title is inevitably theirs. It's, no, we have the chance to get it now. Like, let's let's finish. You know, let's sprint now, and it's over faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's um, nothing really speaks for West Brom in this. Those four losses, they didn't manage to score a single goal, and then they got a 2-2 draw against Burnley in their last game. So, um, yeah, it's all about Chelsea in this one. Uh, Manchester United, they travel to White Hart Lane for a meeting with Tottenham. Tottenham, they're in second. And I I don't really see them falling to third. I mean, they could if City wins out and Spurs loses all three games, but that's not happening, is it? Uh, this is where we're going to find out how, how much Spurs matured this year. Because they fell apart last year when things went south. Mm-hmm. And and this year, 
It's all right. So not when things went south, but like when they were out of the running. So now they're out of the running and how are you going to handle it? I happen to think the way that the white Hart lane fixture between Spurs and Manchester United last year played out, we're in for a very similar result in that regard this year. It's also the final game at white Hart lane. So it's, that's going to be just, that's going to be a crazy atmosphere. I mean, think about, remember, remember the final game at old Trafford for Fergie? Mm-hmm. That ended 5-5 between West Brom. Like, Manchester United scored put five behind West Brom and actually allowed five to West Brom, which I guess was fitting because that team was all attacking and no defense. But, like, that was a wild game, and, like, we could see something very similar to that. You know, the fans were singing songs from the entire Fergie era. I'd imagine they'll do something similar at White Hart Lane. It's going to be a wild game. Yes, absolutely. So Spurs are going to be up for a wild game. Jose Mourinho is going to be like, oh, I'm going to throw Wayne Rooney on the field and like just try to be like, oh, you're not going to you're not going to play football today. Yeah, I, I mean it's United don't. Re- I mean, yes, they're still technically in the race for fourth, but to catch City, I just don't see it happening. Then they got to get past Arsenal too. So, I don't even know if Arsenal are really going to be able to challenge for that fourth spot. Uh, it just takes a couple wins. Because remember, this is the fourth. This has been the race of not so much a race, but like but this. The, the race for fourth place is more like, has been more like musical chairs. And it's not so much a, a race of who can race to the finish line fastest because nobody's pulling away. It's more just like who's going to have a chair when the music stops. Mm-hmm. Like no, you know, Manchester city or Liverpool, you guys have been in the driver's seat pretty much this whole season. You know, once Arsenal really fell out, it's, it's really been city and Liverpool have been there. And every time they have a chance to surge in and, you know, oh, that's a very winnable game on their schedule and you win this game and United drop points and all of a sudden the gap is now like just a little bit too large and United will really concentrate on the Europa League. They drop points to teams that they shouldn't drop points to and then all of a sudden it leaves Jose Mourinho being like, well, we want to win the Europa League because that's actually our best chance, but like I can't say that because like we're only two points out of the top four race. Four. Well, yeah, but like at times it's been one. At oh times yeah, it's yeah, been yeah. Two, like yes. It's it's just been you know, you should have been like Manchester United and Arsenal should have been put away weeks ago, mm-hmm. and they haven't been because so it's so yeah, like every time they make a run to try to get it, then they step up too. But like it's you know, if you give it long enough, it, it, you know, this is one of those things where it's like if you if you just play it long enough, they would come back and win. It's more just like eventually time's going to run out and that's going to be the saving grace yeah. for City and Liverpool. Yeah, so right now you got Liverpool in third with 70 points. They do have one more game played than City, so <laughs> City can overtake them. Uh, Liverpool, they go up against West Ham, who beat Tottenham one nothing in their last game. So maybe West Ham isn't such a gimme game as we thought. 
They actually... No, well, uh, I don't – no, I, I I don't think West Ham are that good. I thought the Tottenham – I'm, like, mad at myself for predicting West Ham would, would – that Tottenham would beat West Ham because as soon as – I thought about it. I was like, oh, Tottenham, we're never going to win this game. This It was like playing. It was like them playing at Wembley. And part of the reason that Tottenham are so good this year is because they play on a tiny field. And that's exactly how they're built. And when they go to a bigger field, it exposes them. And that's West Ham. And that's really what, you know, I keep saying, like, look, obviously no team has a brighter future in this game than Tottenham. They have really talented players and like you know you just need to add depth to that team but by god those you know Deli Ali is only going to get better and he's already incredible and Harry Kane is already incredible and he's going to get better and their defense is incredible but their issue is going to be can they adapt to a bigger field wider more space in between players and they're not really built for that and it and as soon as they're not winning you know, again, like they need to put their hands on a trophy because as as much as the players say we want to win trophies with Tottenham, you know, competing for trophies at fifty thousand pounds a week, you know, what's the, why compete for trophies at fifty thousand pounds a week when you can go somewhere else? And not saying that it's guaranteed that you're going to win a trophy because it is England and there are so many teams, but you could compete for a trophy at one hundred thirty thousand pounds a week. Mm-hmm. Which one would you rather do? I'll take the money. And, Right, and and like I said, it only takes one. Everybody wants – they all say they want to stay because they love the group of people and they love the team and they love their teammates. It only takes one. As soon as that first person says, I'm going because I can get paid, then you sit around and you go, well, why should I stick around? Mm -hmm. Like I should get paid too. Well, which one of the players do you feel like is most likely to be that – starting point if you know what i mean who who, who it's gonna think? be kyle walker it's gonna be kyle walker and look when you list the players of importance at tottenham it goes down the middle it's kane it's alley it's dyer it's alderweireld it's hugo works those are your top five so kyle walker's on the peripheral but kyle walker was the best right back in the league this year spurs mercio pochettino setup is based on having fullbacks that can fly up and down the field. Mm -hmm. So if Kyle Walker leaves for money, no matter what you do, you can't replace him with someone of his talent because he was the best. So already you're taking a downgrade. Can Karen Trippier be an adequate deputy? Yes. Can he be the... Can maybe he be an adequate replacement? Maybe. But you don't just need... But now you don't need to just replace Walker. You need to replace the deputy too. Because the last few years, like uh, Pochettino has shown that you know he he rotates his fullbacks, mm-hmm. and he needs to have multiple fullbacks, and that creates a problem. And Tottenham, you know, it's can they compete if they lose that fullback? All of a sudden, a lot of a lot of dominoes start to fall. And if the players are smart, like you know, maybe they realize it, and maybe one, you know, Eric Dyer doesn't even play his preferred position. He's the Second best holding midfielder in England, and he can't even play as a holding midfielder in his own team. Yeah. All it takes is one team to come and say, "We'll triple your wages," and because you know, one hundred fifty thousand pounds for Eric Dyer is still underpaying him, and we'll let you play your preferred position. 
slate, and it's like, well, you know what? Somebody already left. Why? Why shouldn't I follow him out the door? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll be. It's in- a dangerous thing, and and Spurs Spurs fans will be the first ones to tell you, oh, we've already said no one's getting sold for non-footballing reasons this summer. Like, okay, yeah, what else is he gonna say? What's what's Daniel Levy supposed to say when it comes out and it's like, hey, your players are playing really well, paid? Is he supposed to come out and say, well, I guess this this summer it's open season on my players. If you want to pay them, come. Like, come offer me money and I'll let you pay them? That's what he's going to say? No, of course he's going to say, I'm not selling them. But then when you throw money at him, it's a different story. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. That's I mean, it's, it's a very interesting situation there because, I mean, if they want to keep everybody they got to start paying more wages they got to find a way to get more money in but you might have to sacrifice one player so you could pay the other uh i i i think they can i think they can pay i think like right now what they're doing is they've just somehow convinced all these players like sign these deals and all these you know everybody says oh all these players sign contracts so you don't have to worry about that. It's like, you know, as much as I do, like a contract in football just means that it gives, it gives the team the ability to hold out for more money when, mm-hmm. when it comes to the selling, because as much as nobody is going to get sold for non-footballing reasons, what happens if Manchester city come to Kyle Walker and say, we'll pay you 170,000 pounds a week. Yeah. And Kyle Walker goes, that's not a bad deal. And then goes to Spurs and says, you know what? I want to leave. Are you going to match this? No. Okay. I want. I want to leave. You're. You're not going to hold on to him. Yeah. Now you have him under contract, so it gives you some leverage to say, "Look, Manchester City, thirty million isn't going to cut it. We want forty-five. All right. You have the leverage to say that, but because he's still under contract. But at the end of the day, you're not going to hold on to a player that came to you and said, "I want to leave." Mm-hmm. No, that's true. That's true. Okay. Uh, before we head into our scoring predictions, let's take a quick look at towards the bottom of the table. Uh, Sunderland and Middlesbrough, they're set to go down. We do have a battle for the uh, 17th spot between Swansea and Hull. Hull takes on Crystal Palace on the road. And Palace only needs one point from this game to be like met- mathematically safe. They're in 16th place right now, so they they only need one point in the last two games. Or they need one point in the game against Hull, sorry, um, to make that happen. Swansea, they took a one nothing win over Everton, and now they travel to Sunderland for their next game. There's one point separating the two teams. Paul, if you have to predict who's staying up, who goes down? Swansea. Swansea stays up or Swansea goes down? Yeah. Swansea stays up. Swansea stays up. Yeah. It's Hull had that they had that win. It, I yeah, I just I think there's more upside with Swansea. They could come out and show up against anybody. And I don't think the same thing against Hull. No, I mean or they, for Hull. They really shot themselves in the foot when they lost against Sunderland in their last game. They, they just lost exactly. They just lost to Sunderland who like hadn't had a goal scored by someone not named Jermaine Defoe in like months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see. And I mean, impressive for Swansea taking that win over Everton. Fernando Llorente with the long goal in that one. So, yeah, I'm with you there. Swansea looked like they're staying up. 
so before we go into our scoring predictions, we'll have a little monologue from Elliot because he did manage to send me that uh, talking about Arsenal. So um, after that, me and Polly will be back with our scoring predictions. Hey, this is Elliot calling in from Chiang Mai in Thailand. Uh, unfortunately, I'm a little under the weather, so I'm not going to be able to fully participate in the podcast in the morning or, well, afternoon for y'all. Uh, and so I will be without the knowledge of what happens for Manchester United today, tomorrow, tonight. I don't know, it's kind of strange on the other side of the international dateline. But regardless, um, got a few quick thoughts on the state of things at the Emirates at the moment, which on the one hand are, I think, certainly better than they've been in weeks, if not months. Uh, Arsenal are on the heels of uh, first an absolutely crucial victory against Manchester United, um, followed by another 2-0 win over Southampton at St. Mary's, the first time that they have won on the road there in well over a decade. Um, and so in many ways, you know, things are are looking far better for Arsenal now. They still have to win out and hope that other teams drop points because they're on the outside looking in at the top four. Um, and the old Wenger adage that the top four is like a trophy however, also need not be the exclusive prize on which the Arsenal players have their eye. Because we also have the FA Cup final to look forward to at the end of the month. Um, and considering the abysmal state of Arsenal Football Club from, gosh, at least March through almost all of April, uh, right now, it comparatively, it doesn't feel that bad to be an Arsenal fan. Now, I mean, that's kind of like you know the the grass is always greener when on the other side you were neck deep in lava but nonetheless um so from a footballing perspective you know Wenger keeps saying that having three at the back is working well I, I mean I think that we've got a lot to owe to check but we, we certainly look like we have at least a modicum of stability which is not something you could have said about Arsenal Football Club six weeks ago um to be certain uh, but the manager in his press conference this week had some kind of troubling comments about a director of football. Now, first, he simply, and it, I, I was one of the reasons I like Wenger, is that he's often quick to crack a joke, but he was quick to say, a director of football, I don't know what it means. Is it someone who stands on the road and directs players left and right? I don't understand. But, of course, this is just BS. He, know, he knows full well exactly what a director of football would do. Like The rough equivalent of a general manager in many American sports. And the uh, following this, this line of questioning, the communications manager for Arsenal abruptly called time on the, um, the press conference and you know, put the kibosh on it. But it's hard for me to feel that even, even if by a, a streak of fantastic form and also some luck, in other clubs dropping points, Arsenal managed to somehow finish in the top four at the end of this season. And even, which I mean, it would be fantastic, if Arsenal raised the FA Cup on May 27th and somehow managed to beat a generally fantastic Chelsea side this season, it's still hard to say that things aren't going to get worse before they get better for Arsenal. And I say that because... While, again, I'm very happy that we're on the back of 
two straight two nil victories. I'm glad that you know we at least have something to play for in the league, and that the top four race isn't completely done and dusted with three matches left to go. The it, it seems that something is rotten in Denmark, or rather in North London, because the it, like whether whether it's that. The board wants a director of football, whether it's the, b- the board doesn't necessarily want a director of football, but it suggests it as some way to kind of placate the fans after you've seen banner upon banner about the dismal state of affairs at Arsenal Football Club. Or, you know, whether it's just total yellow journalism hogwash, I don't know. Um, and it's hard to know, but I think that how testy... Wenger was this week at the press conference seems to suggest to me at least that you know whatever whatever combination of factors are at play I I doubt that he would respond with kind of such a knee jerk vehemence uh if there wasn't you know if, if there wasn't something going on behind the scenes now I don't know that a director of football with Arsene Wenger as the manager of this club next season is better than no change at all, or better than just an entirely new manager. In fact, I think that probably that is not the case. But, you know, whatever whatever the case may be, there are going to be growing pains at the end of this season, and those growing pains might just be that the club decides to stay the course, keep Wenger in the position of almost all-powerful manager-slash-football director that he's currently in. And if that's the case... You know, all respect to the manager, it is very hard to see Arsenal Football Club improving significantly to legitimately challenge for the title any time in the next few years. So, on that uh, bittersweet note, which has been much of this season, but hopefully we'll end it more sweetly than the bitter we've seen the last month, I'll send it back to you guys, and hopefully we'll be all in the same podcast with an actual working Wi-Fi connection from Malaysia next week. Okay, let's head into our scoring predictions for match day 37. Paulie, you're feeling lucky. I feel like you got this one in the bag already. You uh, are at the top with 245 points. Elliot, second with 230, and me in third with 207. Yeah, and I mean, nobody's picking games well these days. (laughs) Nope. I wish I could look at the sheet and, and figure out what I picked right last week. Other than I know I picked Arsenal beat United. Yeah, um, I I already put in the new thing, so I don't remember. Yeah, I did pick I did pick Crystal Palace get a, to get a result against City. <laughs> uh, you did. I I know both of both you and I did predict that Liverpool would only get a draw, though. Yes, yes. And hey, a day before, a day before, hey, you know, City said Sergio Aguero and, and David Silva are going to be out for this game against Crystal Palace. And before I even wake up for the game, David Silva's already scored a goal. Yep. <laughs> that's true. So, you know. First, so that just goes to show you, Tottenham fans, you can never believe what they tell the media. Yes. So to k- kick things off on Friday, we got Everton against Watford. That kicks off at 2.45. Um, yeah. I mean, neither team has anything to play for here. Is that going to be yeah. a... Players let loose, sort of play out, or are they just like mailing it in now? Um, Romo Okaku is playing for a contract, so 2 0. I mean, yeah, he's playing for a 
move somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, they haven't scored a goal in three games. So they'll score two today. Okay. Probably going two nothing Everton. Um, I'll give Watford a goal at least two to one Everton. They're pretty good at home. Uh, then we got that West Brom Chelsea game. There will be some nerves, but Chelsea are going to pull through. They're going to clinch, and they're going to take it home. I'm going to go with two to one in this one as well. In which uh, all right? In, in West, which, Bro- uh, West, West Brom Chelsea. Yeah, I'm going same score also, but I'm once again going two 0 to Chelsea. I mm-hmm. think you know they're not going to let they're not going to concede a goal on on Coronation Day. Uh West Brom will get one on a set piece. I'll give them nope. that. I'll give them that. Nope. Then we got Manchester City taking on Leicester at home. How many goals do City score against Leicester? They score three goals. And Leicester score one goal. Unless Leicester can... What if City played right into Leicester's hands again? Do they really make that mistake twice? You know Leicester can finish one spot out of the European places? Yeah. So, here's the question. If they do that, is this like a failure of a season? I mean, there's still a better title defense than Chelsea if they finish ninth. Right, but even that, like, you know, if they finish eighth, it's like, oh, that's not bad. No. You know, everybody thought everybody thought that they were that they had a chance of going down. Well, not I mean, even Yeah. Not even during this no, 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 not even during the season. But like before the season people said, Oh, they you know, like I I'm still not buying into Leicester, like they may go down at the end of the year. I mean they were in the relegation zone as late as what, match week twenty yeah, going into match week twenty six, I think. So uh, they've done a remarkable job here. Craig Shakespeare come up, giving the team some newfound belief. They're coming off two straight wins over West Brom and Watford. Um, but I, go, I, I still see City taking this one. I'm going to go 2-2 just to keep things interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then we got Bournemouth against Burnley. I'm going to say Burnley takes their second, oh my God. <laughs> second away win of the season. one nothing Burnley. I go one nothing Bournemouth. Burnley. Josh King. Burnley. Yeah, he's done pretty well. Uh, then we got Middlesbrough against Southampton. Uh, I'm just going to say 3 nothing Southampton. I go 1 nothing Southampton. No, I'll go 2 1. Southampton. Okay. Then, one interesting game here Sunderland taking on Swansea. Um, could have been a relegation six pointer. Could have been. Should have been. But. You know, it is what it is. Sunderland are going down. Uh, do you think there's, they're going to stick with David Moyes, though? I think so. I yeah. mean, they hired him and gave him a terrible team. He said all the wrong things all year, and he hasn't been fired yet. Okay. Well, there we go. Uh, Swansea will take this 2 nothing. I'll go 1-0 one, one, no, to Swansea. It'll be a bad, a bad match that I won't watch. Okay. Maybe a guilty goal on a free kick. Who knows? Then we got, or like a Warrienty goal or something. Yeah. Then we got Stoke against Arsenal. I mean, it's a must win for Arsenal, of course. Stoke. Certainly I can't lose. Yeah, Stoke has nothing to play for. 
They're safe. They have nothing to play for. So let's go to nothing Arsenal. I was gonna say that I would two I would I would two one just for the sake of being different. But yeah, this is the Arsenal shot up the table to save the job of Arsene. I mean they're still gonna finish fifth. I think they're gonna finish fifth. I think they'll lose in the FA Cup final and I still think Wenger Wenger's gonna keep his job. Maybe finish fourth. Maybe finish fourth. Maybe win an FA Cup. I mean, who do you see getting out of the top four then? Is it Liverpool? Because I don't see... Yeah, s- probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I wouldn't be well, opposed City to that. Well, City have the benefit of Sergio Aguero getting hurt, and now they have Gabriel Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Then we have Crystal Palace at home to Hull. I mean, Hull, they got to win this, but I think it's going to be a 1-1. Oh, I, I, go, I go Crystal Palace. Give me 2-0. 2-0 to the Palace. Made out of crystals. I mean, after that nice win over Liverpool, they have three straight losses. So, and they got smacked by City in the last game, five nothing. You know what? You know what? If you're not named Manchester United, you know what helps for three straight losses? What playing Hull, <laughs> playing Hull at home. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then we got West Ham taking on Liverpool. I mean, it worked last week, so I'll go. I'll go Liverpool dropping points. Let's go one one. Yeah, I'm going to do the same thing. We're not biased at all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we just want to see Liverpool. I just, I just think that they're going to collapse late. Uh, I mean, the thing is that I, I think Jurgen Klopp is a phenomenal manager. I think he's going to get this team you know, into a legit title contender. But it's going to take a while. And he needs to be able I to bring so too, in I think so too, and I think he missed... I think, well, he had the chance, and I think he misread the situation on the market. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and, I, and I say this again, you know, his last year at Borussia Dortmund, they were also a leaky faucet in the back, because my friend asked me this all the time. He goes, was the defense this bad at Dortmund? And I say, well, it kind of was. But let's not, rem- let's not forget, like, he had Marco Royce, who, when healthy, is one of the best players in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, people forget that because the big teams are no longer trying to poach him away. Yeah, and he's Dortmund always hurt. Because he's always hurt, and they have Pierre Aubameyang. Yes. Um, but they have, he, he had Marco, he had a young Marco Royce. He had a young Mario Götze, who was one of the best talents in the world, scored the game-winning goal in the World Cup, was tremendous until he went to Bayern Munich and had his um, confidence totally ripped out of his head. Yes. He had Mats Hummels, who was one of the best center backs around. Uh, so like he he had he had okay Gundogan who was one of the best midfielders around yeah like he had really good once in a generation talent all coming up at the pipeline at the same time he didn't he, you know at Liverpool he has Coutinho yeah and Mane yeah and Mane but yeah yeah no I agree I'm not sold on Firmino uh, I still think that Jordan Henderson is. Overrated. Oh, wait, 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 wait! I forgot one person. Yes, he had Robert Lewandowski. Yes. So right there, like besides, like so, if Marco Royce is your Sadio Mane and and Phil Coutinho is your is your uh, is your Mario Gotze, like he also had Shinji Kagawa and and just other players. Those are those guys are good and they're going to chip in goals and lots of them. But when you need a goal, 
Robert Lewandowski is going to get it for you. Yeah, and, and, and Robert Lewandowski is going to get you a goal right away to make the match easier. He doesn't have that at Liverpool. And and at the back end, he doesn't have a Mats Hummels to clean it up. Well, I mean, all the players you mentioned will go straight into Liverpool starting eleven. Well, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> straight in. They would just no be like, kidding. here. Boom. Like, uh, right. But the, the point was is that at Dortmund, like he made magic happen at Dortmund, but he had these once-in-a-generational talents. And, you know, he, Dejan Laverne is not uh, Matt Hummels. And Roberto Firmino is not Robert Lewandowski. And unfortunately, you know, it, it, you know it's not even it, – like, you can't say – he, it, it'd be one thing if he had Romelu Lukaku and you could say like, oh, well, we could find someone else to like replace that. Like he's really, really good, but like we can get that production from somewhere else. Lewandowski, there's only two strikers that produce more than him. And one of them now plays out wide and the other one is a wide player who plays down the middle now. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then finishing off the weekend, Tottenham against Manchester United. I'm going to say... Two nothing Tottenham. I go three. I this is is it's gonna be exactly as terrible as as it was last year. Think when United went to Chelsea this year. They're just gonna go right up the middle and just go right through United. Yeah. Yeah, it won't be pretty. Well, there you have it. Uh we'll close things out with a quick final thought. Polly, you may start. You could start. Okay, <laughs> I was so uh, banking on you going first. All right, I'll go first. Okay. Uh, after the game, Jose Mourinho today saying Manchester United never kill games early. No kidding, dude. That's your strategy. <laughs> like, whose fault is that? Yeah, your fault. There you go. Yeah, yeah it's... Um... Oh, well. Um, looking at you know, the off season, it's coming upon us here. And a lot of talk, of course, of transfers. And I like silly season. I know some people think it's just too much. There's rumors flying all over. But it's funny that we also get manager silly season talk. (laughs) Oh, with Quad Pool? No, with Conte. Oh, yeah. So... For some reason, people start saying that Inter Milan are going to go after Conte after they're fired the last line in there. That is because since uh, since like February, it's been reported that Conte and his family are not happy in London. Yeah. I mean, I, I just don't see why would he go, even if your family isn't totally happy, why leave Chelsea to go to a higher fire than this Inter Milan because it's home happy happy wife equals happy life yeah I don't know I mean oh, I, second, I know that second, his wife and children are still in Italy so that that's the main issue why he would probably move back but at least hold out for a better job in Italy you can get teams to fire their coach to bring you in um, second final thought. So actual final thought is I always like when the players, when the, uh, when the players come out and they say, um, 
like when the players that go from Europe to the MLS and they come out and say, oh, MLS is more difficult than you'd think. And the MLS people go, yeah, because the quality of play is so good and everybody underestimates it. And it's like, no, actually, Steven Jarrett just said it's because we play on turf fields and the travel is brutal Mm -hmm. and you play in the dead of the heat and everything. And then (laughs) Bastian Schweinsteiger, who is like probably the most class human being all around coming out this week and saying, MLS is really difficult because my teammates suck. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just be like, well, you pass a ball into space because you expect somebody to be there and they're not just not smart enough to be there. Or you expect somebody to go and, you know, do this and they're just not good enough to make that move or see that ball. And it's just like, you just said your teammates suck and that's why you're not playing. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that's sort of the learning process too, that when he comes in, he needs to take on that mentor role on the training Yeah, and he said, he said, I need to get used to it. Yeah, I need to get used to it, but yeah. And like Pirlo said something similar. He said, everybody runs around with like, they're like for the sake of running. He's like, they're not making smart runs. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference between the MLS and Europe. Yep. And I mean, that's the, the difference between, you know, the top leagues and the lower leagues. I mean, if you look at the championship and league one, there's a lot more just kick and run, a lot more. So, it, it's a, you know, MLS, take it for what it is. Don't try to compare it to the big leagues in Europe. You're only doing yourself a disservice if you do that. With that, we'll sign off. Follow us on Twitter. I'm Seb Nor and Paulie's P. Christel WFAN. Elliot is Keats Better and give FanRag Sports a follow as well. And we'll talk to you again after the weekend. Until then, have a good one. Bye-bye. Thank you.